any transformation that you start running, it really needs to start with the mindset. If not, you're just throwing concepts on people. It's quite different when we start with the mindset of understanding concepts like relentless prioritization, of bringing anyone in the team in a position that they are not just order takers. They are invoked to be mm. contributors, especially in marketing, because you are marketing products to people like your team members. They have the side which is a consumer side that is an incredible perspective that many times they separate because mm. they learn to separate and you invoke them to bring that common sense of your person of what you would do if you were a customer and what decisions would you make if you didn't have someone telling you what to do so starting from that mindset i think people really change their approach to work because the sense of ownership is much greater Welcome to Dreams with Deadlines. I'm your host, Jenny Harold. We have a treat in store for you as we sit down with Renata Lima Lurch, an agile marketing expert with a wealth of experience in transforming marketing practices. Renata's journey has taken her from operations to framework agnosticism, offering unique insights into the evolution of marketing practices and the application of agile methodologies. Here are a few things we talked about the integration of operational strategies in marketing, the power of blending frameworks to foster adaptation and team buy-in, practical insights into applying different methodologies in marketing for improved collaboration, prioritization, and iterative success. Finally, we wrap up with our signature quick-fire questions. Let's jump in. Okay, so I am really super stoked because today I get to talk with someone who has a lot of experience with agile methods and also marketing. So we have a really fun intersection today. Renata Lurch is going to talk about something that she's really passionate about and how she's helping marketing teams to be much more agile, which I think is necessary in today's environment. Welcome to the show, Renata. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. It's such an honor to be to be in this podcast. It's just a beautiful work that you guys have been doing. So thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, so maybe you can give us a little bit of background on how you even arrived at this crossroads of marketing and agile methods, because I think this is quite unique. Through my career, so I've been a marketer for a long time and I also have been very engaged in operations. So the, because I've always felt that marketing is really like brand, a brand in particular, brand is not built within the marketing department, but instead through all touch points of the organization. So that made me very engaged with operations because I felt, I've always felt that market, the marketers or leaders in marketing need to be influencers of all those areas. So being engaged with operations, you start thinking more about processes, right? Then how marketing can't be a siloed, how finance can't be a siloed because it's part of the journey, right? The experience. Then through my career path, I also worked with global organizations. So I was part of global teams. So the need for remote work have been in my day-to-day life way before COVID. I would say 
20 years ago, I was already working with global teams. And, and then after working in organi- service organizations, I happened to start working in organizations that were more related to frameworks, like work, making work better. So I worked with the, the ASQ, the American Society for Quality, and there is like a think tank. ASQ is a think tank for lean programs for Six Sigma. So that's when I started understanding the impact of some frameworks on the ability to be better at what you do in the work environment. From there, I landed at Scrum Alliance, which is also a think tank in Scrum. So that I got very deep into Scrum and also very engaged because part of my role in marketing was also the thought leadership aspect. So I was engaged with several case studies and leaders like Jeff Sutherland and other leaders in the Scrum and learn a lot about the how it would evolve into marketing or into finance or into other areas. And I got really in love with Agile. But I've always thought that Scrum was not exactly a perfect fit for marketing. Then I started branching out to Kanban and fell in love, really fell in love with systems thinking and design thinking, and then start mixing them all. That's where I am in a very agnostic, framework agnostic position. But I think that helped me a lot understand how organizations, you have to respect where organizations are as a starting point before just slamming a framework on them. Yeah, so that... I, we're going, I think what would be fun would be to start with Scrum because that was the basis for, or a foundation, if you will, for how you evolved to now more of an agnostic framework person. Shout out to Donatella Meadows for just introducing the whole world to systems thinking in a very simplified, simplified format for us to understand. Okay. So for those who are not familiar, we'll touch on agile mindset first. It's really about this obsession with delivering value to a customer where you have these small, nimble teams focused on delivering value to their customers and in the interaction of those network of teams together. Would you agree with that generally? Yeah. Cool. So then let's get into the scrum aspect of this because I find it fascinating to use marketing as a place to apply this framework. So we know that it's supposed to be very simple, yet it <laughs> for some folks out there, it's not simple. Can we talk about, let's say, the team construction of how you apply Scrum in a marketing environment and what that team composition might look like? Because in a traditional Scrum team, you would have what? the scrum master, you would have a product owner, then you have developers. That's really the key composition of a team. What would be the complement in a marketing environment to enable, if we were to go by the book, if you will, with scrum? If we go by the book, which I don't think is ideal, a product owner is a key role that I see in many teams because of the structure of marketing typically is someone at a more of a leader level because in most organizations, when marketing is adopting Agile, 
it doesn't mean that the rest of the organization is adopting Agile. So this individual typically has access to the portfolio. It's easier for this individual to understand the entire ecosystem to serve as this liaison between the strategy of the organization and translate that into a language for the team. And also, I would say that can better advocate for customer on both ends. There are several times when leadership of the organization, it's sad, but not always they have the customer and as a priority in their mindset because they get just buried in bureaucracy or demands or so this position also helps with bringing that perspective and saying, hey, yes, I know that it's important, but we need to prioritize for the team in a way that makes sense to the values that we want to deliver to customers. So typically the product owner is, is a good role in, in marketing from the Scrum. I would say that the Scrum Master it's hard to find a team that has a dedicated Scrum Master because in software development, there are a lot of technical aspects that really need to be focused on. There is the interdependencies are much more complex. So you need that individual to be there in protecting the team, protecting the, the sprints. However, in marketing, even though we there, there is the need of protecting the team, there, there is the need of removing barriers, what I see most leaders take their role of not separate having a scrum master, unless you have a team with 200 people. So yeah, if it's a big team of a very large organization, then most likely you will have a scrum master because there are multiple teams that are multiple ceremonies to run so a scrum master would have a role there but typically in smaller teams we don't see a specific role of scrum master what would be the equivalent for the developers if you will because in a scrum team you'll have developers but in marketing team you may not unless they're web developers like who makes up the remaining three or four people on a scrum team and in a marketing organization it's the designers, right? So graphic designers, copywriters, editors, videographers. It depends on the structure of the team. And then obviously web, web content, web SEO teams, individuals. So it's pretty much the entire team. I would call them the equivalent to developers and Scrum. Very cool. So Scrum is, gen is found, founded on empiricism and lean thinking. How... Are those concepts applied in a marketing construct? If you could break it down for us, like we know empiricism asserts that knowledge and experience and making decisions based on observations. Gosh, the mark, the marketing tech stack is, it's big, I think, <laughs> but maybe you can shed some light on like how to apply that empirical thinking in a marketing environment. And then similarly, how to apply this lean thinking of reducing waste and, focusing on essentials, like how can we think about these constructs as marketers? Yeah, I think any transformation that you start running, it really needs to start with the mindset. 
right? Because if not, you're just throwing concepts on people and they will just think, oh, yet another rules, another set of rules that I have to follow, which is, it's quite different when we start with the mindset of understanding concepts like relentless prioritization, right? Of bringing you in a position, anyone in the team in a position that they are not just order takers, but they are invoked, they are, yeah, they are invoked to be contributors in especially in marketing because you are market basically you are marketing products to people right people like your team members so that are gen z's that are consumers that are moms that are consumers that are dads so the team had they have the side which is a consumer side that is an incredible perspective that many times they separate right because they learn to separate and you invoke them to bring that common sense of your of your person of what you would do if you were a customer and what decisions would you make if you didn't have someone telling you what to do but at the same time there are several ceremonies and part of this mindset that uh, enforces the team right that i wouldn't say consensus basis but building as a team, building campaigns as a team. So starting from that mindset, I think people really change their approach to, to work because the sense of ownership is much greater. So you see the difference of, in some organizations, when I start, and some of them are very disengaged, especially the ones that, are, that have a lower hierarchical level, quote unquote, they are really just, oh, only flow, right? On a process, a process flow. But once you bring them, you ask them to have a voice, you create an environment when they are, in a way, get used to having a voice, that changes completely the dynamic and they start bringing this different sense of prioritization. So when you think of lean from the mindset, they start thinking, but... That doesn't add value. I mean, if it were me, it would not add value for me. This other thing adds value. So that's when the lean processes start coming into play. But then you come with a framework, right? The framework that will support the thinking, the mindset, which is, okay, so let's have some ceremonies that will require everyone to have time to talk, right? Let's share the the vision so that everyone has to see it everyone has to see it and connect the dots with what they are doing and then let's share dashboards and data and voice of customer because then people understand okay so my part how does my part relate to the end product because they see results right they see the dashboard of analytics especially marketing where with digital you can have A-B testing like in your face, right? But, but in, in many marketing teams, there's A-B testing happening there. But the guys that are actually creating ads, are they don't even see it. They don't see the results. So sharing the, this democratization of data. The transparency. The transparency. Which is a scrum value. Exactly. That really brings. So I would say a combination for marketing, a combination of mindset 
and then you bring a framework that creates like prioritization processes, create a even a way to weigh that with some benefit mapping where you actually put numbers on some attributes that will will bring a hierarchy of priorities. So let's talk about some of the ceremonies then, because there are several Scrum events out there. Do you apply all of them in a marketing environment? For example, it sounds like, yes, sprints. Like that seems obvious that you would apply a sprint. Is there a specific duration that you recommend for marketing teams to work through when they're thinking about working in a sprint-like fashion? I think it really depends on the team and on the culture and how the teams operate. Bigger teams require more connection. Smaller teams, there isn't like an ingrained connection that is there because they are engaged in multiple parts of the for most projects. Typically, you will see the, the sprint planning because sprint planning is when you start the sprint. Right? So you discuss the priorities, you set up what is going to be worked on the next week or two. Yeah, discuss the goal of, of the sprint. And then, and I typically prefer for all the companies that I worked on, marketing, there's always that urgent component coming because PR, there's crisis management, there is events that are social media. You can't wait two weeks, right? No. (laughs) To create, so you just can't. That'd be nuts. Exactly. Yeah. So a sprint for me, in all my teams, a sprint of a week sprint it has been working much better than a two-week sprint, which is more, more common. Yeah. We, most of my teams, in some of them, having the daily sprint worked well. The 15, I'm sorry, the, the stand-up. That's what I mean. The, yeah, the stand-up. Yeah. But for me, especially in the current company that I worked, we like to do two or three times. Most of the time will be two for the entire team. So twice a week. So we do twice a week. And then the smaller teams based on projects, they can do every day or every other day separate, but just the ones that are working on a specific project. So for example, we are having a large, like a very big event coming up. It's a large event with like thousands of of attendees. So there's a lot going on that team and it's very cross-functional. So there's marketing, there is the learning and development component, there is the events logistics, there's sales and sponsorship. So this team, they have been meeting uh, almost daily now as the event is happening in August. This team meets every pretty much every day. Now, the whole marketing team to discuss the entire portfolio of what we are doing, we meet twice a week. And then there are other teams, the teams that handle the newsletters, they also meet more often. So it really depends on the team and on or the teams, right, the size of the organization and how they operate. Mine now is quite complex because we support six family organizations, requires several cross-functional and just marketing team dynamics. Yeah, so moving forward on other ceremonies, I do like the retrospective. I think the retrospective is very important because it gives the team the opportunity to recognize the wins 
especially in times when they are very busy. So it gives them a chance to calm down, let's recognize what we've been doing, and also give a very safe space to improve it. So to understand where bottlenecks have been, to understand how the dynamic among them could be could get better, and even how they can, how we share individual best practices on how best monitor your time or how to best deal with your or set your tasks on Jira. We use Jira or Trello. So those have been, they actually enjoy it very much and they feel every retrospective that we do, they feel closer, they feel more connected because of how they, they learn from each other and how they feel their impact on others, right, within the team. Do you do sprint reviews and sprint retrospectives? Do you use those terms interchangeably or do you do them separately? So after a week, for example, for your team, you do a sprint review and then maybe you do like a sprint retrospective after a few months, like how do you, or at the end of a project, how do you think about the delineation between sprint reviews and sprint retrospectives? I think that it will depend on who, what agile marketing leader you were talking to. So many will be very in favor of a sprint retrospective because if focused on that sprint in organizations that are smaller, I would say that people tend to combine the retrospective, which is doing like monthly, right? So you do a retrospective at the end of the month to review the entire month, how things are going, and that will encompass the the, the last few sprints, how they did. So it, it will really depend. I think there is a place for both. For smaller organizations, I think we, people tend to combine it. Leaders tend to combine it. So we know that there are a few Scrum artifacts, like the product backlog, and that's in support of the product goal, which some people might use OKRs as a product goal proxy. The other is the sprint backlog, which we've discussed, and then there's sprint goals. And then you have increments and definitions of done. How does the way that you measure progress in a marketing environment where Scrum is used, how does that look? The backlog is incredibly important because that's a, especially for marketing, because we we co-create with teams, right? Product teams. If that, as I said, we at the company that I work now, we support six family organizations that have different products that run different events. That in multiple situations we have customers going across all six organizations. So yeah, we try to do so. For example, clients of one family organization may go to an event because it's about coaching they go to an event in the event one of our events and the events run across all of them or we have a family organization that does certifications credentials so individuals that get the credential may also want to be part of the family organization that runs membership and communities and then on top of that we have communities of practice we have so there's a lot of intertwining among them. So we receive across the organization, we have the portfolio prioritization, right? When all the leaders of all product lines 
and the CEO and the COO, we all sit together and look at the prioritization for the organization. What is everything that we, what is the portfolio, right, that we need to deliver and this is all mapped out with KPIs of the organization and all that. So once all that is defined, then there are things that marketing has to support. So there are programs that are owned by marketing is ex exclusively. So for example, we are redoing the positioning of the organization. So this is fully owned by marketing. But there are, as I mentioned, this event Converge that is happening soon. This is not owned by marketing, it's co-created by marketing. So there are all these deliverables that marketing has to work on that are coming from other owners, right? So if it is like a product launch, so the product was developed there and then it comes, it was prioritized and it comes to marketing to support that launch or to support the sales leads, ring leads and all that. So the backlog comes from that prioritization, a company prioritization that turns into the backlog for marketing for the next few months, the next quarter. So as we do in the beginning of the year, like a, a bigger plan for the year, so this cascades into the backlog as a bigger picture backlog. And then as those dates are coming on when the deliverables should be hitting the market, then we go and refine the backlog on the things that we need for the next few sprints. We're going to take a short break. You are listening to Dreams with Deadlines, the podcast that brings you real stories of trials and victories in business, brought to you by Quantive. Quantive is a strategy execution platform that helps organizations create greater strategic agility and excel at execution. With more than 2,000 customers, Quantive helps companies close the gap between strategy and execution to achieve their best possible. And now, back to the show. How do you think about product goals and sprint goals in terms of the backlog? Because typically... It's, hard, it's stinking hard, apparently, to create decent sprint goals for the sprint near-term items. Seems a little bit easier to do that at the product backlog, product goal level. Can you talk to us about how you've seen that done and some of the best practices maybe in trying to define these goals at the various levels of elevation, if you will? We can't separate marketing from the rest of the organization. Right, so they, it can't be siloed, otherwise marketing would not be in sync with the rest of everything that is happening. So our goals are highly connected to the company deliverables, right, and deadlines that they will, they required to, they are required to be done by marketing. So this is pretty much in terms of best practice, how we do it. So when we create a sprint, we are looking into, okay, what are the deadlines for this particular projects that we need? What are the goals that we have in terms of marketing deliverables? So that's how we typically look into the sprint goals and into even project goals, right? Because we have the sprint, but we have the project goals that marketing is running as well. And then they cascade into the sprint. 
Can you provide like an example, a notional example of how that might look like? Let's say you have this event coming up. It's pretty epic. You have multiple teams that are working on it at the same time, meeting daily up until the day of the event. Presumably they have a product backlog because it's tied to the project. Then they have sprints leading up to that and they have these various levels of product and sprinkles. Can you talk us through in that example what that might look like in practice? Yeah, so this event is is a hard one because departments that are very much into a agile kind of format and departments that are not at all, but they, those projects are cross-functional. In this particular one, so there are departments that are into agile and marketing fully very much into agile and others that are just flowing into it with some some expertise, right, in areas that are needed at some moments, right? Sponsorship is needed occasionally on that. So we have the event, we have the parts of the event, we have the project of the event, and then we have the goals by month. So we do a timeline because those events, frankly, the logistics group, they signed up this contract four years ago because that's how, yeah, that's how difficult it is with venues and there is there are things like COVID, that contracts got messed up, and, and those are things that happen, right? If it's not COVID, it's something else. So we have this contract, and then we have a timeline. When do we start promoting? When do we have to start promoting like the early bird? When do we start promoting? When we start deploying the the email, the drip campaign of emails for people that registered, and there are multiple groups, right? So there are all these goals that have to be met based on the timeline. So this timeline, we need to get out the door the early bird. There's this timeline that includes where we have to get out the door the second phase, which is start the nurturing campaign of individuals that are visiting the website, but they haven't registered yet. So there's all those that are, that are aligned into the project, and we looked as a timeline. So... Jira and many others have this, this calendar, right, where you can see the activities and you can see where you start some projects, where you have to end, and then the goals come from there for the Converge group. For the marketing as the entire team, all those cascade into the team members, right? So what engagements or projects are each one of the team members engaged and how their, their deliverables have to be coordinated, coordinated through that. So it's quite complex. It's quite complex. How do you think about definition of done then? Because this is, it does sound like there's a lot of moving pieces. When you're doing software development, there seems to be like a standard for each of the software development teams to say, when we say that we're ready to ship feature X, we should have done all of these things. Do you have a similar complement in your line of work, specifically in the marketing domain? In marketing, it, it's not the same kind of science, right, as the software and precision, right? And so you have to balance the ability to keep the iteration going and run with A-B testing and be okay with not being perfect. And also ensure that, that the team is working together. So rather than having research doing the first part and then it goes to the copywriter 
and then it goes to the designer and then it goes back to editors and then it goes to campaign. It meshes all together. So the definition of done for us is when we feel that that it's in compliance with the lingo and the standards of quality of the pieces that go out, brand voice and tone, the if it is, for example, a digital campaign, which we use partners too, is the coordinate partners meaning contractors to that do the media buy and all that. So all this coordination with them as well. It's really a fine line. Is there a very clear definition? Not really. It's what we know about voice and tone and that mentality that think that the sooner it goes to the market, the better for us to keep iterating as long as we are monitoring on a daily basis. That makes sense. Okay. So you mentioned previously that you are now framework agnostic, whereas you started with your like Man, Scrum is awesome. But now you've gotten Kanban in the mix. Can you share a little bit about how you blend these different frameworks together to get the outcomes that you hope for to really help teams be much more nimble? And like you said, to shift that mindset that they can make decisions independently within guardrails, of course. This is what we need to do. Clearly, at the portfolio level, you create bounds. But how do you mix and match some of these frameworks together to develop your secret sauce from your marketing teams? One thing that I feel that there are many organizations that do that, right? They just don't say words like Scrum. They don't say words like Amazon and Google. A lot of those, they are really using, they're very agile, right? But they are not necessarily on a prescriptive anything. So I think as I started, as you start implementing and as you start understanding and seeing how individuals react to that and how I think systems thinking, that's why systems thinking is so phenomenal because you start understanding at a bigger level the interdependencies that you don't see if you just slam a framework on someone. That there's so there's a lot of unspoken rules on every dynamic. And you have to respect that because they're powerful. They're very powerful. That's when I start adapting. And I do feel that the essence of Agile is really adaptation. It's really starting from where individuals are at and then build from that at the pace that they can handle. I think with that practice, it's impossible from my perspective to run a marketing team being very prescriptive on one of those frameworks. I also feel that as you bring this kind of programs of or mentality to organizations, in order to get their buy-in, you also have to, to come with that kind of perspective and that kind of approach to them, right? Is, uh, okay, you are not comfortable. You think it's silly to do this. So don't start doing that. Start doing something else. And slowly, just give it a chance. See if it works for you. If it doesn't, let's look of what works for the team. So coming with this iterative mentality and a mentality of common sense. And another thing that is so powerful is data. Once you start bringing data uh, of engagement, 
data of of results it's there's no there's no turning back right i'm yet to see a transformation that didn't fail right that was respectful of the culture of the organization that would not have a shifting data that would be so enticing that people could still say no that doesn't work it's just part of the it's it makes it it justifies it once you see the numbers it helps you make up your mind too yeah so you mentioned kanban earlier in our conversation can you give us like the story behind let's say one of the teams that you were working with and you're like you know what we're going to experiment with this because we think that maybe an application of this framework would be best suited for what we need to accomplish with this team can you provide can you talk to us through that story and then how did that translate to the transformation you described where you're like Jenny the data was powerful team was engaged we saw the results yeah everyone in agile marketing knows and calls it a scrum bun right it, it works well for marketing because it it's less prescriptive as a scrum is and is very visual on the kanban values right so you look at the board and you start from there right so there's marketers tend to have a lot of hidden work everywhere and they are typically very overloaded with tasks and they do not see the where they're going the end result so this is a very common thing for marketing teams unfortunately people that are working on things but they don't know how their parts connect with other parts kanban is great especially the board part of it because it helps people just get into the discipline of visualizing their work so they see their work they see the tasks and they understand they start to understand the concept of limiting the work in progress right because it becomes so surreal all those things that are there and those things not being aligned with anything that it really helps helps with that so that was very I think out of all the teams that I started starting there as a beginning point on people really realize oh wow yeah I didn't realize that it's really a fantastic place So you are a proponent of scrum bun Yes makes sense with the caveat right with understanding the culture understanding a lot of systems thinking I think that's a good one yeah What are some of the common myths that you feel like people get wrong about scrum bun in particular since you are a fan given the caveats that you talked about you've evolved from we're going to do scrum then you were like kanban's cool and then you found out wait there's this thing called scrum bun this is great and then now that's your current approach is the hybrid method which i think a lot of people quite like because there is moderate to strict rules there's no specific roles you still have the daily stand up and it's very pragmatic in its approach What are some of the common myths that you feel like people get hung up on when they're working with Scrum Bun? I haven't seen really. What I have seen is people not understanding exactly what that is, right? Meaning is still confused by the prescription of Scrum and how just adding that I that's really what I see. I don't see 
any anything other than that, like misconceptions, other than people are still trying to be very hung up on Scrum rather than adopting a more loose kind of flexible. Flexible. How do you get them to overcome that challenge? It's with practice. Practice, understanding best practices that work for them, not just what works in the books. Right on. Thank you so much for talking us through like how agile frameworks might look in a marketing environment. It, this has been a really insightful conversation. I think our listeners will get a lot out of it. We're going to switch over to quickfire questions. First question, it's the name of the podcast. What's your dream with the deadline? I would say it's really like having a team that is very focused and a team meaning org-wide, not just a marketing team, that is really in sync with priorities, with, with the interdependencies among them, and also very, very aware of where the company is going. I think that's, a, that's definitely it. Question number two. For those who might be in marketing and they're thinking, I just listened to Renata talk about the benefits of using agile methodologies in a marketing environment. What would be your first, your number one piece of advice for them as they're embarking upon an agile transformation journey? Is start small. Start small in iteration. Really do one little team or start just using the a board like a Jira or Trello or just start small. Starting small and iterate from there. Third question, what would you say is like the biggest fail that you've had in working with agile methods in any environment really? What was the learning from that? There was one team that I worked that the CEO of the organization that was about five years ago, the CEO of the organization was saying that he wanted a marketing team, I'm sorry, an agile marketing team and hired me to implement there. But he himself was very disruptive of everything that was agile related. Any emergency that he thought that would make sense because that's what we had a dream of that, even though we had a cadence and a plan, he would just come and disrupt and ask people to stop what they are doing and confuse everything. So the biggest learn is that, unfortunately, the idea that it starts from the bottom, that some people said in some areas, it, I would say it can still work. But if you don't get the top to support, it's very difficult. Last question. I feel like I would know the answer, but I'm not going to presuppose. What is the book or a couple of books that have really shaped the way that you think? I think that systems thinking is, is really one of those that are really paradigm shifting. That is one that like in-your-face kind of book. And then there were others that were fascinating from different perspectives. Even, I think, books on meditation brings a perspective into Agile. But that one from Donella was just incredible. 
Thank you so much for your time today, Renata. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Learned so much. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. And every time we talk about those things, it's a new opportunity to learn and we think about how we're doing. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this podcast, then we invite you to join the Dreams with Deadlines community. Dreams with Deadlines is a global network of ambitious business leaders and innovators who are passionate about using OKRs and agile practices to build high-performing cultures, achieve bold goals, and influence our world for the better. Learn more and join us at dwd.community.